The bell's rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown Podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and with me today is the Compudactyl Maniac, known as Josh Kirkland. How are you doing today, Josh? Doing all right, doing all right. Outstanding. I'm well, thank you kindly, thank you kindly. Um, As it turns out, today we are going to be breaking down the top two horror films from 2013. As we do in this show, we like to break it down in terms of criteria, uh, those being for this mainstream horror edition, the antagonist, the ensemble, the surviving characters, the setting, deeper meanings involved, and the fright factor. So, the two that we are pinning head-to-head tonight are The Purge versus The Conjuring. I'd seen The Purge before. I think I saw it in the theater, but I hadn't seen The Conjuring before. Had you seen either of these prior, Josh? I think I saw The Purge, you know, probably within a couple of years of it coming out. You didn't see it in the theater, though? Not. Fair enough, fair enough. I think I saw it in the theater, but this is around the, the time where I really wasn't hitting the theater as much as I'd used to, so it's a good chance that I did see this on uh, video or digital, too. So, okay, let's start with The Purge, then. Let's talk about our big badness. Who do you think is our ultimate antagonist? I'd say it's you know the specific intruders who came to the house. What about the government itself for allowing this purge day? The new founding fathers couldn't they ultimately be argued as the main antagonist involved? Uh, sort of. If you want to get into that whole thing, I, I'd say you know humanity itself. Oh wow! Know, Why would you say that? Human nature. I don't know because I, I feel like the the movies like indicating that. You know, humans have these these violent urges, and uh, it's going to manifest in one way or another. Do you think this is a good solution? Is this the way to do it? I don't think it would work, honestly, but it's an interesting concept. It's a very interesting concept. Um, one that has gone on to sequels as well as a TV show, I believe, is on now called The Purge as well. Um, so beyond these founding fathers who essentially have set this up so they can rid the world of homeless people and minorities more than anything, it's a very racist, um, biased holiday, right? Because as we see in this, our rich characters are the ones that have the protection, that are able to afford saving themselves, and it's those that's left on the streets that just get wiped out. Um, do you see that going in our culture? Like you talked about it being humanity itself. Do you feel like you have that inner urge and you wish you could release that in some way on a yearly basis? I don't know if it's that. I don't know if I don't have a murdering urge. <laughs> so like punching your pillow doesn't satisfy it, your urge? You have some sort of urge like that? I don't know if it's any, any kind of violent urge. I think I do, but I get it out of video, video games. I think that's where I release mine. Play games like Dead by Daylight or even Fortnite. These are murderous games, right? Um, you're getting it. You're purging that sort of angst and aggression and hostility out via that form, which I think is totally healthy. And supposedly, people that play at least a half an hour of these like shooter games have less anxiety for the day and are able to go through their day uh, more effectively. Are, are you big into violent video games? Not really into shooters. You know, I, I mean, it is fun to kill stuff in games. It's too true. There's no consequences, right? And you get that same sort of serotonin release, I guess. But yeah, um, I don't necessarily agree with you that all of us have this urge in us. I, I think those that do go into like the army or something. What were you going to say? I, mean, I said I don't think that, you know, I personally have, you know, the urge to kill. But I, I agree that there's certain frustrations that every human is going to be subject to. Fair. And it is interesting to note that it's not just murder 
you can commit any crime during this, right? So if you don't have that murderous rage in you, what would you do? What would be your crime on Purge Night? I don't know. You wouldn't, like, loot the local Best Buy or hit up GameStop for some extra Switch games? Nothing like that? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, if it's legal, right? Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that the the movie kind of makes, you know, brings to question, you know, is because something's not legal doesn't make it mean it's uh, wrong. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, something can be legal, but not moral, right? I think I would like, I'd sneak into maybe like a theme park or something and ride the rides, do something like that, that you'd get in trouble for. Maybe like the local pool. Granted, it's in March that this happens. I think it's March 22nd is the day that they do it. It's on the equinox, or the, the solstice. If you could steal one thing on Purge Night, what would you steal? What would I steal? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd steal a Switch. Switch a bunch of games. Why not? Then we could play Switch together. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're okay with that one. GameStop be damned. <laughs> Um, all right, what did you think about then the aesthetic of our specific intruders? Let's talk about our first round of purgers who show up. Um, can you try and describe what do their masks look like? Um, they look like those old, uh, like political caricature. Oh, yeah. You know, what was funny to me is the like the, the lead guy took his yeah. mask off, and it's like the same face underneath. That's true. Do you think they just had like political versions of their face made into masks? Oh, possibly. That's an interesting point, because it is kind of like one of those Nixon caricature masks. Um, yeah. But you're right. It was identical to his own face. Um, I didn't really notice with the other ones, though. I kind of want to go back and see if all of their faces match their mask. That's kind of scarier, right? Because it's highlighting then that inner horrible in them, that inner demon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we got a real good look at many of the others. I don't think so either. I think most of them die in their mask. Um what about uh, the vocalization of our main guy, our blondie boy, who's one of the haves, as he likes to put it, this rich prick who's going around uh, killing homeless people, pretty much, or minorities. We don't, we don't know if this guy's homeless that he's going after, but he's going after an African-American character, um, seemingly just because he's considered a have-not, right? Yeah. What is his motivation beyond that? Is it just to... See, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is it just about purging one's own angst or is there a deeper meaning in here that the founding fathers do want um america to be great again right this precedes trump but which yeah, I mean, side of the aisle is going to be more for something like this it's i don't know it's it's hard to say you know what his motivation is but this does seem like the kind of guy who's like this is you know his favorite day of the year he's probably uh <laughs> probably you know thinking about it all year long yeah, that's true. It's like psycho's, psycho Halloween or psycho Christmas, pretty much. Yeah. Um, okay, before we move on to uh, the originality of these villains as a whole and even our, our main crew of purgers, we got to talk about the last antagonists involved here. So you have the macro version of ultimately the country and then humanity, as you put it. Then you have the smaller uh, entities, including just the, the gang that goes around essentially killing the have-nots. But then at the very end, we have another group of haves that want to purge themselves and kill their neighbors. What did you think about that twist? Did you think that the neighbors were sufficiently scary as antagonists? Sure, yeah. I mean, just, you know, the fact that they, uh, I don't know, like the movie kind of uh, goes back and forth, you know, because they initially, like, saved them, you know, because they wanted to uh, 
purge them themselves. Did they have a good enough reason to want to purge them themselves? I thought it was, I, I bought it, you know. Um, just jealousy, pretty much? Jealousy, yeah. And I guess it's just because they built this addition or whatever that they claim was the money from all of the security systems that Ethan Hawke's character uh, sold the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, I felt that the blonde was great, the, the, the housewife next door or whatever. I thought she was sufficiently scary. I didn't really get a sense of the other ones, did you? Like the husbands? Yeah, not really, right? No, they were they were just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get it, because at least we meet the blonde housewife um, prior to the purge night actually happening. But I, I didn't really care about the other ones. I felt like I knew some of the um, gang behind the masks better than the people who weren't wearing the masks that were the neighbors at the end. Do you know what I mean? Like, I got a better sense of the character uh, that was portrayed of our like minions, the, the toadies to the blonde guy, right? Just the way that they would be swinging on the swings or skipping together, skipping to their loo, you know? I don't know. I thought it was kind of, kind of fun the way that they were depicted and, and scarier. You really saw the psychosis going on, even in his, his ancillary characters. Did you see that? Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I still like this stuff at the end. You know, it's, it's just kind of like a bonus, a bonus antagonist. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, the final twist of the knife. Is Ethan Hawke dead? I wasn't clear on that. I wasn't clear on that. Um, I'm not no, sure. No, but I think it's going to be interesting in the neighborhood. What's the dynamic going to be like? Mm. After Do they that? move immediately? I, I don't know. You got to move, right? You can't be living next to people that want to kill you the next purge day. Probably I, not. I think they got to they gotta move. Um, okay, finally, just the originality of the, all this, these three factions of antagonists. Did it feel new to you? Well, you know, the first time I saw it, I, I didn't really think that the movie at all was anything new or original. It just seemed like, you know, like a typical, like, home invasion, you know, standard ground. Right. Second time I saw it, I did read a little deeper into it. Appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's original motivations. Like, you are giving a pass by the government to be a psycho, to live a horror movie. Uh, I think it's wholly original. Um, maybe just the motivations of the, the neighbors being jealous, not as empowering as ultimately the haves, the have gang that goes around killing homeless and minorities. I felt like that was more interesting. Um, the, other, the subsequent movies, I think, get into that uh, way more, where you see uh, minorities uh, really targeted. Um, let's pop over to The Conjuring. Who is our antagonist in The Conjuring? Uh, well, the main one would be like the ghost of this witch who lived in the house. Right. The original, I guess she was one of the original owners. Mm-hmm. She, she was the first one that like, owned the land because that is her motivation, right? Anyone who goes onto her land becomes cursed and she possesses usually the maternal figure to kill the children. Why? Why does she do this, though? What is her motivation? Mm, well, right when she's declaring allegiance to Satan right before she killed herself, I think it's, you know, the service of Satan. Well, then, if she's, if she's on Satan's side and she wants to live with him in hell, why is she then subjugated to haunting this house? Wouldn't she have followed Satan's rules enough to not be stuck in this purgatory state on Earth? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Does she like doing this? Do you think she prefers to? Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's she wants to serve 
destroy you. happiness on Earth, make Earth a hell. That is like her new job by committing herself to Satan. Maybe. I could see that. Um, beyond beyond our main witch, do we have any other antagonists? Uh, well, I mean, there's there's you know the other spirits or whatever in the house are kind of uh, like there's the, the boy Rory. Rory. Was he scary? Was he doing anything bad though? No, but he. I mean, it's still, you know, it, it's still making it a little less comfortable place to live. I would. That's say. true. That's a true point. Little girl, uh, April. She seemed to welcome his presence. Yeah, what was up with that? Was she just like the youngest child is neglected and is just looking for somebody that'll pay attention to her, sort of thing? Maybe. Can can I? I I'm trying to remember. Is there a differentiation between the mother that is killed prior, that kills her daughters, and then the witch herself? Because I'm assuming the witch was the one that was on the um, the, the clothes dresser. What do you call those things? The ar- it's not an armoire. Wardrobe. The wardrobe, right? The one that jumps down from the wardrobe. That is our main witch, right? Or was that the mother who was killed? Well, no, the mother was the witch. The original mother who killed her. Sacrificed her own wasn't there is that is Rory her her son the original witch um, I, thought Rory I thought it was another mother after her like the maid okay I do remember the maid is that the mother then is that the mother of Rory I think so okay all right because we only see her once really right yeah in the, in the and she wasn't super scary and even those cuts in her arms pretty weak sauce it just looked like they just threw it that was one of the worst effects in the whole thing those arm cuts on the maid. Did you see that? It just looked like some ketchup splattered there. Nothing nothing too great. Yeah, it was, I, I don't know. It wasn't supposed to be. But of course, cool. let's talk about our super antagonist at the end, who is granted still the witch. But what did you think about when the mom is possessed? Uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty freaky. Do you think there was any rhyme or reason to the two kids that she brought back to the house to kill them over the other girls? Mm, Might have been. So was it, you think it was just a matter of too many characters to kind of keep track of? She said, come on, girls, let's all get in the car, versus having just the two there. Did she want to kill them both, or was it only the one she wanted to kill? I'm sure she wanted to kill them all. Okay. But I don't know why those two were first. Did you think Lily Taylor was sufficiently scary uh, once she started getting her, her possession on? Um, yeah. I thought so. I thought it was one of the best possession scenes ever. I, I, for me, it's way scarier than The Exorcist when she starts, when she's got like the sheet on her and barfing blood through the sheet and the levitating chair. That's the sort of stuff that doesn't normally get me, but it, it did in this one for some reason. I think it's because when we get to the ensemble, we care about these characters a lot. Yeah, um, well done movie too. Yeah, I agree. Vocalization. I think they could have done more with that with her, though, at the end. There was a couple moments where I heard the demon voice come through, but really you hear just her as a human screaming. Did you notice that? That it was kind of skimpy on the demon, the demonic sort of vocalizations? It felt like, I don't know why they didn't go a little bit further with that. Yeah, they they could have. And then, of course, we're going to have to... uh, For me, it's going to lose a little bit of points in terms of originality. What do you think in terms of originality? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything groundbreaking. No, I don't think so either, and I think that's probably why I didn't see it to begin with. I thought, like, come on, what can they really do new with another haunted haunted slash possession movie? I wasn't excited to see it um, when it first came out, and I might have started and fallen asleep when it came out on video or something. 
because I kind of half remembered some of the characters, but I will say that it, it turned out to be way better than I thought. Um, and even though we do have some cliche stuff going on with the ghosts, they did it well. Like you said, it was well produced. Let's go ahead and pentagram these. How many do we want to give the villains in The Purge? I did a 2.5. A 2.5? Um, okay. Uh, I would give it a, a proper 3. I think those masks, now that you pointed out to me that they are their own faces, just like the sick version of their faces, that bumps it up a little for me. And I thought their motives and who they were going after, and then once the haves ultimately sides with the have-nots, they're going to kill them too. And then, like you said, to top it all off with the neighbors going after them and it really being at the root, kind of what we see going on right now uh, with just minorities targeted. You know what I mean? I feel like it has a lot of resonance even more now than maybe when it first came out because Obama was was still the president then and now we have a sentiment much more akin to the purge um, and, and control. Yeah. Um, so you got 2.5, I got 3. Um, what about Conjuring? I, I give it 3 on that. See, now that one, like I said, I'm going to have to dip it down to 2.5 for me, only because I do feel like the originality hurts it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think there was like a lot of complexity. I just thought, you know, the, the portrayal was really good. So. I agree. And for me, that's going to get some bonus points in the fright factor part of it. Um, but in terms of like the originality of an antagonist, nothing super new. Nothing super new. But I do like it's a combination of Haunted House and Possession. It did well with that. Let's go to the ensemble for The Purge. Um, we have a pretty big cast. What did you think of the main family, and did you appreciate the dynamics between them? It was believable. You know, it, they weren't, you know, they seemed uh, like they get along, but they didn't seem super attached. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that's a lot of marriages are. It was believable. You know, it seemed really dom domestic. It did, but I kind of agree with you in that I felt like there wasn't a lot of love there. And that they were kind of in it mostly for the kids at this point. I didn't really get a genuine connection f between Ethan Hawke and Lita Hetty. Um, especially, like, when the Purge lockdown goes down, he's like, yeah, I got some work to do. I'll catch you later. We'll watch a movie as a family later. It, it seemed like they kind of didn't want to be around each other that much from what I saw. Yeah, they, yeah, they, didn't, they don't seem, uh, yeah, super lovey-dovey. But... And couldn't she have been more upset when he died? Yeah, it, it, you know, or even... Even if he didn't die, she didn't seem that upset. <laughs> is there a possibility, so this is really out of left field, that Lena Hetty had him killed so she <laughs> could inherit the estate? I mean, I guess it's possible. I don't think it was implied at all by the movie. Fair, fair, especially because you do have uh, the homeless guy comes in. Um, yeah, it's, it's not realistic. I'm just thinking, mm, she didn't really care. She cares way more about her kids than her husband. Um, additionally, uh, the daughter's boyfriend tries to kill Ethan Hawke's character as well. Is the mother going to be super oblivious to that? Did the daughter know that her boyfriend was going to try and kill her dad? What do you think? I don't think she knew. You don't think so? No. Did it seem like she likes her dad half as much as she liked the boyfriend? I didn't get any sense of dislike. Uh, I didn't see any love there, though. I didn't see... I mean, granted, she's a teenage girl or whatever, um, but if she's supposed to be mature, in the way Henry put it, you think she would show him a little more kindness. Uh, granted, I, I think the son's relationship with his parents is probably the most developed, the most unique. Did you like the kid actor? Uh, the, the boy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, Charlie. Yeah, I think he's... Uh... 
an interesting character. He was decent. His acting wasn't distracting in any way, right? No. no was was the daughter's acting distracting for you? No, I wasn't really distracted by any of the acting. Okay, that's good. I felt like she was the weak link in it, but yeah, it wasn't so bad that I was distracted by it. Um, and then the neighbors, as we talked about, I think the, the blonde really stood out. The purgers are polite stranger leader, because he is polite, and that makes him scarier, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The way he's so methodic about it. I thought I thought he was great. Um, I wanted him to have a little more development to get a, more of a sense of what his life is like, other than just being a have. He didn't give us anything like that in terms of character development. So that does yeah. kind of bring it bring it down a drop for me. Um, his smile was uh, unsettling. It was. Yeah, he's a total yeah. creep. I don't think I, I've seen him in anything since, though. Not, not that I'm cognizant of. Um, and then diversity. We do have diversity very overtly dealt with in this, which I love in terms of the ensemble. Beyond our African-American being targeted so overtly, we also have then the neighbors. There is a person of color with them, too. Actually, two people of color. Am I crazy? There was an Asian gentleman and an African-American. Um, have. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because it's not it's not necessarily trying to pigeonhole minorities as um, the have-nots, because you do have people of color that are the haves in this as well. So I was glad that it did give it that diversity on the two realms of the class system. Really appreciated that. I thought it was a pretty good ensemble all across the board. My biggest issues was the relationship dynamics were not strong enough for me. That's where it's getting dinged. Exception of the, the boy. I like the boy and, the, and his sisters. Charlie and his sisters had a decent relationship. They have a couple moments together. Yeah. Did you care about the boyfriend dying? Not really. No, I don't feel like we got anything from him. Uh, no, yeah, I was I glad mean, to see him go. He's an idiot, you know, for like, I'm going to talk to your dad. Don't, I mean, don't do it on the one night that... <laughs> <laughs> I know. And he snuck in himself, right? Yeah. She didn't let him in. Or, no. not to get conspiratorial again, do you think Lena Hetty paid him to try and have the husband killed? <laughs> I don't... Think so, it's Cersei, man. How am I going to trust Cersei ever? <laughs> it's just not possible for me. Okay, now let's talk about the Conjuring's ensemble um, and the character development there. I thought was great. I think it's really hard to um, have two couples in a movie pretty much taking over half of uh, the movie each in a way and have them both so fleshed out. Um, between our couple that's haunted... Ron Livingston and Lily Taylor, and then, of course, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiger, or Farmiger as the warrants, who are these demonologists who are helping out uh, the Perones. Which couple did you believe more, and why? Uh, I liked the Warrens a lot. Me too. I, I thought they had a good backstory. Yeah. I don't know. Something about Lorraine. I just really liked her. Is there anything else you've liked her in, Vera Farmiger? Because I like her pretty much in everything she's in. I don't know what else she's been in. You haven't seen the new Godzilla, hey? That's probably her worst, even though it was a fun movie. Not not her best performance. Um, but she's actually Norma Bates in Bates Motel, if you've ever seen that. I have not. Ah, it's a good show. And she's great as Norman's mom. Um, she's awesome in it. I think she might even been nominated for an Emmy or something for it. But I agree, I thought their dynamic was probably more fleshed out than the Perones. But the Perones have, what, five daughters? Yeah. How how much are they, How much time are they going to have for each other? No, I like Go ahead. I liked the, I liked the whole family. Yeah, I really did like them. I think I liked the uh, the couple of the Warrens a little better though. 
Yeah, they have more lasting potential in, in the series. I think they come back in the sequel. Um, what about the girls, though? Were there too many girls for us to care about any one girl? Maybe. I think so. I think if they had three girls, it would have been better. I, I thought there were three girls at first. Like, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was confused. For, that uh, was, it was five. They had five girls. Which was your favorite of them, though? Of the girls? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the April, the, you know, the youngest daughter, she was good. True. You know, um, the one that sees Rory in the mirror. Yeah. Anyone else stick out? That Christine was pretty good at, like, she's well done. Where are we seeing her? That's Joey King. That's right. She's in that, um, that new one about, uh, Patricia Arquette plays the real life mother who claimed her daughter had some uh, terminal illness. She plays the daughter in that. Joey King. I was trying to figure out where I remembered her from, and now I, now I recall. She's a great actress, I think. I thought she was super strong. Um, in terms of the acting ability, was there any weak links? I don't think so. Did you see any interesting dynamics between the daughters? Was there anything going on there? Um, nothing real interesting. Not really interesting. The eldest, I would say, when the sleepwalker girl, um, which one was that? The second youngest, right? Or the third youngest? Um, is sleepwalking in her room both times, takes her to her bed. Uh, it was okay. But yeah, you're right. I feel like the dynamics between the girls was not fleshed out as it needed to be. I mean, I um, don't know. I don't, I don't think it... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was super fleshed out, but, you know, they showed, you know, them, them playing that game. True. Hide and clap. I have never heard of that, have you? It's pretty much Marco Polo on, yeah, uh, cool. in a house. And it's set up for a good, good scare scene when you have the ghost clapping and her pretty much, like, going into the wardrobe thinking it's her daughter. That was great. Um, no diversity, though, right? Granted, we do have a movie in the 70s, the rural 70s in America. Can't really expect yeah. much diversity. Pretty lacking in diversity, for sure. Let's go ahead. What did you give The Purge in terms of ensemble? Uh, two and a half. 2.5. I'm going to go ahead and give it that same. Um, and Conjuring Ensemble? Give it a three. I might give it a 3.5. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.5. You keep it with your three. Um We'll see what happens in the end there. If it's if it loses by 0.5, we can revisit it or something. Um, but let's move on to our surviving characters and see how potent they really were. Who do we have surviving in The Purge? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Ethan Hawke survived or not. I don't know either. I'm going to assume he's dead because it is hours that he's lying there bleeding out. I'm going to assume he's a dead man. Well, you've seen Reservoir Dogs. That's true, but did you see the knife that the polite stranger plunged into his kidney or his liver or it I was die from that i guess if that's if it was his stomach that's what it was in reservoir dogs i feel like the stranger knew where he was cutting into him because it only took the one and he's like you're done he was toast there was it was he didn't need to like repeat stab him he just it seemed like he had uh precision with where he was going with his like it was like not a machete but i don't even know what that was what was it just a huge knife? Like a designer knife, right? That was super long, a little thick. Bowie knife? Bowie knife? Interesting. Um, but of course, we do have uh, Mary and the daughters survived. You do have all of the neighbors that wanted to kill them end up surviving, too. Um, and, of course, uh, the character who comes in who's being chased, right? Uh, is it, yeah, Edwin Hodge is the bloody stranger. He lives at the end. Uh, did you find it realistic that he was able to hide in the house that whole time and then come out at the end? Uh, the power was off, right? Mm-hmm. 
so yeah. Okay. I mean, even the biggest of houses, if you've got that many people like looking for you, as there was with the Purgers, I don't know. I found that a little hard to believe. Maybe he went back into the kid's hiding spot, maybe. And then that, that might be realistic. But, eh, I don't know. How was he cognizant of what was going on? He had to have been hiding in an area at the right time that he was able to come out and save him. They did find him early on, and they, you know, they were going to throw him outside and opted not to. And I think at that point, they kind of just weren't really looking for him. That's true. Yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, let's pop over to The Conjuring. Pretty much everybody survives, right? Do we have any deaths in this that happened during the movie? I don't think so. That's a problem for me. Somebody should have bit it. The dog. dog. Okay, the dog. And then theoretically you could talk about um, the witch, the mother, Rory, um, the previous do- or the previous girl that was killed there too. Because um, the daughter was killed there. It wasn't just Rory, right? It was the secondary family where the witch possesses the mother who kills her daughter. There was a daughter killed in there. Um, but not, not on screen. Um, if anybody were to die to make the movie better, who would you have wanted to die? Um, I don't know, maybe the, uh, the, the cop. The cop should have died. So should have the, uh, the second in command to Patrick Wilson's character, his, like, UV technician guy, you know? Yeah. Those yeah, are expendable characters. Yeah, I was gonna say that. But that, this is not a true story, supposedly. Is it? It's not PG-13, is it? Uh, it could be. I'm kind of worried that it is. It's still good despite that, though. Um, but ultimately, everybody survives, and to me, that is a ding. I so need at least... R-rated. It's R? Okay, that's good. Um, I guess probably just the graphicness of that end um, is, is yeah, pretty serious yeah, enough. Uh, not enough. Like, no, basically no deaths other than the dog. That is a problem. Um, so let's go ahead and rank these. Purge, what do we give in these surviving characters? Do they are they determined to survive? Do you really feel like they're going to last on? When people look back at this at the purge, do they remember Lita Hetty being the one that lives, and her daughter essentially is our final maybe, characters? Maybe I, I kind of want to add another layer to it. Sure. To you know determine my score, and that's like the you know the next day, you know life, you know the how, you know the atmosphere in the neighborhood and in these people's lives, mm. like what you know what becomes of their lives yeah after that i'm including that um you know that outcome and you're gonna juice it up because she dealt with so much and then now has to deal with all that bullshit afterwards is what you're saying yeah yeah because of that whole dynamic there i i gave it a three okay um i'm gonna go ahead and just because too many people live for me i think we should lost the daughter (laughs) i'm gonna give it a 2.5 um conjuring surviving characters I also gave that a three. But wow, that is generous. It's generous because everybody survived. Yeah. Uh, I didn't necessarily feel like the dad's determination to live was really there. I wanted more from Ron Livingston in the second half of the movie. It felt like, to me, um, Vera Farmiga just kept putting herself in spots where she was going to get killed. You know, Her determination to survive wasn't there. I had to give it a two. I'm sorry, because nobody dies and people should have died. Um, in terms of everybody surviving is a problem for me in, in a horror movie. Um, let's pop over to settings. What do you think about the Purge setting? Because a lot of people criticized this and said, this is such a good idea, but why would you ever just set it in one house? You're, you're squandering such a brilliant idea. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it. Did you like the use of the house? Was the utilization of space sufficient, though? Um, it was, I would say it was sufficient, but it wasn't much more than that. Did it set a mood that was noticeable? Yeah, I, yeah, I think there was a mood. 
I think there was like, too. The look of it. Yeah, like just, it kind of had a fake glossy feel to it. You know what I mean? Like their affluence, their being a have was almost like not who they really were, right? You wonder what their mask would have been like to see their inner selves because they're not murderous. What would theirs have been like? Are they really haves? Is they really a happy family um, as a whole? The kid seems like he can only relate by looking at people through his uh, remote doll, right? His uh, his little baby doll that ultimately has a camera in it, and that's he seems to relate the most by not being literally connected to people and just observing them. Um, I thought that was that was an interesting. You have such a intimate setting, but really they're all disconnected from each other. I thought they did well highlighting that in the setting. Um, but of yeah. course, we we pretty much have another house that's under terror. Uh, at least it was it makes a point of making it a rich neighborhood. I like that. Um, I like the way that they use the uh, shots of the out, outside with the video cameras. Like I said, with the people on the swing specifically, it was really fun for me. Um, but well, well, let's let's go right after we talk about the Conjuring because I think we got kind of a similar situation here. Uh, what do you think about the setting in the Conjuring? Uh, I liked it. I liked it more. You know, I really like the uh, the house on the lake. That's true. Really, really cool. That tree was awesome. Right, sure. that was gorgeous. Uh, it, it was dead though, wasn't it? Yeah, there we, yeah. Okay, I thought it was too. Um, I agree. The lake stuff was really cool. I like the way that we go into the rafters of the house too, or or between the walls. Right. Um, I thought that was cool, like where the kid was hiding, uh, and it has the house had such an old timey feel. I really yeah. think it did set a mood. I liked the house a lot. Yeah, it did. all the creaks and cracks. Yeah. What did you think about the basement? Because that is such a main hub of the setting. Um, it was cool. Um, Could they have done more with it? Like, I mean, more scenes down there, or? Mm. Did you want to see what was under the sheets more? Stuff like that. What else was in that basement sort of thing? Yeah, but. It felt a little too like a set to me, where we only see like this like L progression down the stairs. And then everything's blocked off by the sheets. I don't know. I wanted a, a little better understanding of it. Granted, we do get to see a little of that when he's going around with the UV lights and he goes back behind the furnace. So maybe, I, maybe I'll retract that. We do get a little, little sense of it more. Um, uniqueness, though? Come on. It wasn't super unique. It wasn't super unique. But good. It, it, made it, it made it its own sort of atmosphere for not being as unique as it... Well, it probably couldn't have been, right? I think it did as much as it could with a creaky old house that's haunted. So, yeah, I'll give it props for that. Let's go ahead and rank them. What'd you give The Purge for setting? Uh, two and a half. 2.5. I'm going to give it a two. And for The Conjuring? Three. I think I'll meet you on that one. I'll give it a three, too. Kind of talk me into that. Ooh, now we talk about the good stuff. Deeper meanings. What is going on in The Purge below the surface? In The Purge? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more than I realized the first time I watched it. What'd you pick up this time? Just like, uh, you know, why is... Why is Charlie such an idiot, you know, letting a complete stranger in their house? But you got to think, um, he, he hasn't, you know, he's li- he's in a really sheltered. He's really sheltered. He True. Hasn't, he hasn't had to deal with uh, people being assholes on a day-to-day basis, you know. He's yeah. In that society, he's really protected from that. I like that point. And actually, this kind of calls back to what I was talking about before. It seems like Charlie almost connects with people more when they're not in front of him. Like, he is sympathetic of the black guy on the screen more than he is with his parents right in front of his face. 
right? He feels more sympathy for him outdoors than those right in front of his face. This could be like a millennial thing. People are are more invested in these influencers, parasocial relationships, right? These one-sided relationships where he thinks he's connected to this guy and is going through the same trauma because he's he's seeing it without any sort of consequence. When he's in front of his parents, though, you're not feeling the love as much. What do you think? Are we are we all completely distracted by our screens to like a horrific degree where we put the ones we love in danger because of it? To a point. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's the commentary on the Times right there, especially 2013 when all kids are first starting to have like smartphones in their hands for the first time um, as ubiquitous as it now is. Uh, any personal connections to The Purge? Not particularly. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that I do either. Um, I'll acknowledge its lasting impact, multiple sequels, and I guess the show that's gotten at least a second season. Um, and again, I think the concept is better than any execution that's been done so far of it. But if this was, if they did a proper reboot of this or whatever, I, I think it could be done right. Um, and it's not that it wasn't done well, it just wasn't done phenomenally. Uh, deeper meanings yeah. in The Conjuring. Oh, I'm sorry, but was there anything else in there that you saw? Um, in the purge. I mean, I thought it was cool how uh, you know they uh, they showed mercy to the bloody stranger and he ended up saving the family. Yeah, I mean that was such a turnaround too because he's telling Lena Headey, "Stick him where he's been shot, or stick him in his wound," and she does it <laughs> twice, and it's literally right after that. I think they realize, oh wow, we've really lost our humanity. Let's fight for this guy now. Why didn't they enlist him to help them fight, though? It's like they kind of just, okay, live, go where you want in the house. We're going to do our own thing. Why didn't they, like, enlist him to work together? I found that a weird... Uh, yeah, but th- th- things would get... I mean... <laughs> Could never trust him? Tied, tied to a chair. True. A gun to him. It's probably going to be a little awkward after that. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, that is true. And, of course, I mean, we talked about it before, but I think this one deals a lot with just, like, fascism um as well as racism um maybe not sexism as much was there any sort of a gender politics going on that you noticed what does she do for a living does she have her own job or is she just a housewife not just a housewife that's a bad way to put it but <laughs> I, I don't know i don't think there's any mention of it i don't think so either so he's kind of really kind of made framed as the stereotypical breadwinner everyone is relying on him it's a little patriarchal in nature in that sense um Let's pop over to The Conjuring, though, and talk deeper deeper meanings. Uh, was there anything you saw? Deeper meaning-wise, no. I didn't really get... I don't, I don't know. Um, I think maybe it could be commenting on having too many kids. You're not going to give them all, all the attention that they deserve. And maybe uh, take a break or a breather after three, you know? That's even a lot. Five, five girls, of course you're going to have that girl at the end who's going to be looking for attention that she's not getting. Um, maybe Maybe that's going on there. Being a bad mother, right? Because ultimately it is the mother that kills. She's trying to kill that youngest daughter. So it could be sort of... <laughs> Not by choice. True. But do you think she was a good mother from what you saw? They seemed like a pretty... They did. They did. I might be reaching there. They seemed happy enough. I'll give it to you. But again, why isn't... Is she just... Just worried about childcare? She's not worried about making money herself? Because he seemed pissed off. He's like... Oh, that's half my rate, and then he goes off to work, and he's not happy about it. He doesn't like his job, right? Right. Uh, there's stuff going on there, I think. Like, why Why is it always the dude that's, you know, forced to schlog? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I think that... Interesting point. I don't think it really 
has much bearing on the story. Well, if you want to then compare that couple to Vera Farmages and Patrick Wilson's character, she works. She's out there with him. The only reason this all comes to a resolution is because she is there working her magic, right? Um, yeah. It is only because that female has the power to affect the other female and to remind her what's good there at the end and what's, why life's worth living and not to just be a conduit of the old uh, uh, witchy ways, right? The old feminine archetypes. Um, I did like the call back to Salem Witch Trials, too, how she was related to one of the Salem Witches. Um, but as a whole, I do think The Purge probably has more deeper meanings. Did you have any personal connections to The Conjuring? Or did you ever had You never had a dog, right? No. You never lived in a rickety old house? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's rank them then. What are we going to give The Purge in terms of deeper meanings? I give it a three. I'll give it a three as well. I almost want to give it a 3.5. Um, and Conjuring, deeper meanings? I, I gotta give it like a 2. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a 2.5. And then finally, let's talk about Fright Factor. Uh, how, what is our kill count in The Purge? It was quite it's, a few. It's at least probably a half a dozen, right? At least, yeah. It's probably, yeah. I would say, like 8, maybe. A good amount and some good deaths. Uh, I liked a lot of the deaths that we saw here. Um, what, was your, what was your favorite kill? What was the most quality kill in your eyes? I don't know. The, the, the Ex Machina... Bloody Stranger just coming in and blasting mofos. Pretty that was great. And I really like that gun that uh, Ethan Hawke had. I'd never seen a gun like that before. It was like a Gatlin, but it only shot one at a time. It had a handle over overhead. I don't know what, what kind of gun that was, but when he came in there and started blowing away, like especially the girl who's trying to jump down on him, and then he gets her right, right when she's like about to come down on him with a cleaver or whatever, that was probably my favorite kill. The sound design, did you notice any music in The Purge? Anything stick out to you? I don't recall. Not not super, not super noticeable. And what's your scariest scene? Was there a scary scene for you? Because um, I think that's where this one's going to lose a little bit too. Conjuring is I didn't find it as scary. Yeah, I, I didn't find it scary very much. I mean, it was suspenseful, you know, and there were, I'd say there was suspense, but not fear. I guess for me, the scariest moment is when we really learn the true nature of the polite head stranger when he kills his own friend right there at the oh, door. Yeah. That's yeah, scary. That's... that's the sort of thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, how can you trust him? Even if you bring out um, the stranger, the bloody stranger, why wouldn't he just go ahead and kill you if he's killing his friends? You know, yeah, right? that to me is like a funny game sort of moment. If you've seen that one, very similar characteristics there. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Fright Factor and the Conjuring. Um, what is no kill count? Nobody dies. Uh, quality of kills inapplicable, not applicable here. Um, just, but it is scary. The pace was really good. Like agreed. So like a lot of subtle stuff like early on, and it was a while before. I think it was when the you know when the witch was on the dresser was when the first time you see anything. Right. You know, when you see anything, but that was like almost halfway into the movie. Yeah. I agree. I think it built the tension perfectly. And yeah. the music and sound design is way better in this one, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is your scariest scene? Um, that might have been it. <laughs> when she was on top of the wardrobe? Well, I was like, oh, there she is. She's kind of creepy. But when, like, but when she jumped off, it was like, yeah. I jumped a little bit. <laughs> uh, I kind of got a tie for two. My first one is going to be when the leg gets tugged, when... Uh, Joey King, the actress Christine, I think, her leg gets tugged in bed, and then she sees the figure in the darkness. Oh, yeah. 
and just yeah. the stink, the stink of rotten meat there, and, and the, the sister goes over to check, she can't see it, while Christine can, and it's right there next to her. And then the door slams. That got me. Um, and the other one that got me is when <laughs> the mom is, like, thrown down the stairs by the thing. Um, I like that. I, I don't know, for some reason, her getting, like, tumbling down that stairs was, was, was freaky, and being trapped down there, not being able to get back up. Probably not as scary to me as the uh, the dark corner behind the door. There's someone behind the door. Um, but still effective. And, of course, you can't deny the end sequence. The exorcism stuff is great. And that's freaky. Yeah, it was. Super freaky. I, I, didn't it, I didn't think that was going to be the ending. I thought there was going to be something else. Like what? What, what should there have been? I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying there should have been. <laughs> well, maybe in The Conjuring 2. Um, are you more likely to watch Conjuring 2 or Purge 2? You know, I, I think I liked The Conjuring better than the, the Purge, but I'm more interested to see what How else they the can Purge. do. Yeah, the, the concept Purge. is better. I agree with you there. Um, I think I'd want to see... I, I've seen a sequel to The Purge that I didn't like that much. Like the first Purge day or something, the very first time it ever happens. It was really yeah. mediocre. But I think there is just a straight sequel that I kind of want to check out. Um, nevertheless, let's go ahead and give our final pentagrams out. What are we giving... Um, the Purge for Fret Factor. I gave her a two. Two, that's what I gave it. And what about The Conjuring? I, I, I gave that one really good marks. I gave it a three and a half. Oh, damn! I'm going to give it a proper three because nobody died, so it can't be that scary. Yeah, that, I mean, that does hurt it, but I thought it was pretty spooky. Um, all right, I'm looking at the numbers here, and the bell has rung. The Conjuring, surprisingly, is the most mainstream iconic horror movie of the year 2013 an unlucky year too 2013 right um so congratulations to the conjuring i didn't think it was going to win and this is relatively close too so uh big up to the conjuring the purge is of course still w worth watching but i think we get better character work and better scares in the conjuring as a whole um, it's a better horror film but granted the purge is a better concept uh, I want to say thank you to Josh again for this, your fourth, I believe, your fourth co-hosting oh, event. Sir. Well, thank you. Appreciate you helping me out this month um, with this Icon Showdown podcast. Uh, where do people follow you? What do you want to let them know about? Just, you know, stay safe out there, everybody. And of course, hit up compudactyl.com to hear our tunes. Um, there's all sorts of funny business going on there. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to my media hub, parasociable.com, where you will find those albums that... Um, we both have created together blood, sweat, and tears on these albums. Three now. We're currently working on the fourth, believe it or not. Um, and of course, you'll find my novel there as well as some comedy horror shorts and all sorts of jazz from the past. Um, so thank you for listening. And until the next time, as they say in the business, the bell has rung.